Greyhound to trap one. Is that you, Yates? Where are you? Welcome to Trap One. My name is Marco Guanas. This week I'm delighted to welcome Chris McKeon to the podcast. Hi, Chris. Hello, Mark. Good to see you. You too. Uh, so we're going to talk about the, the final game today, um, which was originally yes. going to be the, the final story for John Pope's Doctor um, and Roger yes. Delgado's Master. Tell me so how you came across this story to begin with. All right. Um, I'll try to make it as short as possible in the sense that um, if you want the absolute honest, um, as you can hear from my voice, I'm an American and um, I grew up I'm still a young man, of course, but I grew up watching Doctor Who. I had the, on PBS, I'm from, uh, the PBS station was KCT, I'm from East LA. And so just the local broadcasting station in California watching Doctor Who. But I had the luxury, it was being broadcast after the series had ended. So I'm watching it some years after it ended. But I had the luxury of being able to see almost the entire run of the series. From, really, I don't think they showed, I, was, I must have seen some of the Troughton episodes. But uh, pretty much, let's just say, the episodes that existed. The block mm-hmm. that exists, certainly Pertwee to Sylvester McCoy, um, all almost all at once, well, at least week after week. Yeah. So I was able to see the John Pertwee era in uh, in mass, and growing up as a kid, uh, and so I was of course aware of Roger Delgado's Master. So just try to put yourself in my mindset as a, as a kid watching Roger Delgado's Master, just week after week, being able to see the whole era that would have played out in five years over a few months, and then after a certain point, Roger Delgado disappears. And I didn't think anything big of it after maybe, well, let's say, okay, Frontier and Space Planets. That's, I melded them as one because they're all the same story to a little kid's mind. Yeah. Green, Green Death comes, no master. And then Sarah Jane comes, no master, no master. I'm like, where is, where, where is he? After about the time you get to like the Tom Baker era, I start to really wonder, he was around all the time, why is he gone? Then I had watched The Deadly Assassin. And I think, oh, oh the master's here. I think, oh, the master's going to pull away his hood. And when, at least when you see his face, I thought, Okay, <laughs> not Roger Delgado. And so I could keep going, but the point is, I was aware, at least as a little kid. By that point, I was fairly aware of what maybe what generation was. I didn't necessarily connect with the match, but I realized Roger Delgado is no longer around. By the time you got to the end of Tom Baker's era, when Anthony Ainley came along, I, let's just say that I saw him and I thought, is that Roger Delgado? And then I saw, then I, they replayed some episode, they replayed the Daemons, and I was comparing my mind. Logopolis, Anthony Ainley, or at least that version of the Master, the Daemons, that version of the Master, and my first thought was, is it the same man? He looks older in these earlier episodes. He should look older there. He, look like, he, looks, he should look younger. Then I eventually realized, different actor, and then I, eventually I realized Roger Goddard, to sum it all up, had been killed seven, in, on the 18th of June, 1973, for the viewers that might not know. And I will say this, that there are a lot of Doctor Who fans that might actually legitimately not know about Roger Delgado. They mm-hmm. might know about the Master. They might know that he... I will say this right now because I know this is a phenomenon that's happening on... I know Doctor Who's on Twitch, right? Yeah, yeah. I noticed that a lot of fans that are watching the Doctor Who on Twitch, mm-hmm. if they watch Patrick Trenton's last story, The War Games, and they see the character of the War Chief as played by Edward Brayshaw, yeah. a lot of fans are saying, oh, that's the Master. Officially, no, he's not. But I'm one of the people like them that thinks he is yeah so for me i think the irony is i think the master debuts in 1969 with patrick Troughton's doctor laying that aside yes i think i think the war chief is the master i absolutely do but certainly laying that aside um a lot of fans might not be aware of the history of roger delgado and that he was he's the first actor to officially let's just say to play the master officially whether or not you retroactively include Edward Brayshaw or not mm-hmm. roger delgado many places starts there in 1970 and uh as I started getting older and learned about the series, I just wanted to learn about the actors because I thought they're excellent people, they do good work. And then I learned, in certain ways, in certain things, almost the tragedy of Roger Delgado, not in his personal life, just the opposite. It seems like he was uh, a very good man, a very much a gentleman. And to explain that on a note, there's a, it's a, the tragedy, in, in certain ways, not just his death, but that we have no personal footage of him. As an actor, as a, as a man. Yeah. Now, Doctor fans can see David Tennant talking in an interview, Peter Capaldi, Capaldi, whoever you I will say Capaldi, I think, as he pronounces it that way. Yeah. Matt Smith, etc. Jodie Whittaker, even though we haven't seen much except for the leaked footage. Um, 
you can see these people. You can get a sense. You really don't know them necessarily. Some people have that luxury. But, um, but you can get to know them in a way. Mm-hmm. These earlier actors, even some of the later ones, like most of the Doctors, if they lived into the 80s or 90s, even if someone like Patrick Trent, who died in 1987, you still get a sense of who they were. Mm-hmm. We don't have a sense of who, really, who William Hartnell was. Not just that he died in 1975, but he left public life he, when he pretty, mostly when he left Doctor Who in 1966. Not exactly, but still. We don't have a sense also of who Roger Delgado was. Because as an actor... He was acting in the 1940s and 50s and 60s when television Britain was still coming out. becoming still early on, relatively speaking. So he died when Doctor Who, when you compare it, was in its infancy. And he died before the master could become quite mainstream. It was just really, even if fans thought about Edward Brayshaw, what they probably thought was Roger Delgado. And then he dies in 1973 in a car accident. So your listeners know, um, when Roger Delgado was filming Doctor Who, of course, and I'll get to the final game. Well, I'll tie it into the final game. Of course, everyone knows Roger Elgato's cast as the master. And he films in every single story in the eighth original season uh, block. And those are t- the five stories, Terror of the Autons, The Mind of Evil, Claws of Axis, Colony in Space, and The Daemons. And the producers um, tell a story that's actually quite moving um, of how at the end of The Daemons... Uh, they filmed at the city, was it Allborn, I think it was called? Yeah, uh, this, the village, so, yeah. yeah was, well, well, Roger Del Gato, at a point, the episodes, by the time they filmed the Daemons, probably, I think it would have been, let me do a little math, they filmed The Claws of Access in January of 1970. They filmed Terry the Autons in September 1970. By the time you get to 71, it's January, it's Claws of Access. I think they started filming on the 4th of that month. So, they would have been filming the Daemons around... March, April, probably, 1971. So Delgado had been filming for six or seven months, and his episodes had been airing for about six months by the time the Daemons aired. Now, the story goes that um, when, since they were filming on location totally, very fairly rare, mostly be studio recording such, but the Daemons was almost completely on, um, on location. So they involved the townspeople. And the townspeople um, are instructed by the crew, we want you to boo this man. When, when the master's captured, you've seen the Daemon's episode 5 at the end, he's captured by unit. And they have him trapped, and they want them to boo him. This will be the emotional part, is that when he leaves, when they film the scene that he's captured, when they film the scene and he's captured, and they, the crew instructs the townspeople to boo him, they cheered. They cheered because he left. He left a, a good, a good impression on the people. And I'm being very emotional. I know, but I'm being emotional because those stories matter. If all you have left of a person is how good he was to, to others, absolutely. That all they can, that, that people that are involved and told, hey, all you have to, this is a fantasy story, boo this man, he's the ultimate villain, and the, but the, they see past and see the actor, and he, by all reports, he was a very kind and a gentleman, the one, and so they cheered, now eventually, of course, they boo because they filmed, but, I don't want to try to compose myself now, because all you have is my voice, but the story that's also moving is the one bit of actual footage that we have of Roger Delgado as a man, is from the Claws of Access, a... Um, an outtake, the one outtake that we have of that man. And he, um, it's the scene, if you've seen the story, where he um, escapes, and I think we call them trucks, but I think you call them lorries. Yeah, yeah. Where he's, he's a, the master's escaped from the, ax, the Axel ship, and he's running, and he, jump, and he gets on a bridge, and he jumps onto the back of the lorry, and he climbs over the, the top of the, of the, I don't know what you call it, the, the cabin or carriage, whatever. Yeah. And he climbs on the side of the car, and, he look, and you can see the shot, it's a very complex shot. Um, that he's looking through a wind, a side view, um, side view mirror, and the, and the driver looks into the mirror. Probably his left side, because I'm thinking, okay, we drive on the right side of the road, yeah. we drive on the passenger side. But so think of that opposite, switch it like a mirror, actually. And you can see the master in the rear view mirror, the side view mirror, and the master saying, "You will obey me." The, in the outtake, Delgado, something happens, and he blocks the shot. The moving thing is, or at least the very telling thing is that he doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, or whatever. And, and everything. He's, 
in the possibly the most sincere and kindest way possible. He very, but not oh, but not in a weak way, but in a very kind way. He says, I, "I'm terribly sorry. I blocked your shot. I apologize. Please, if I've if I've if I've delayed your filming, I, I'm terribly sorry." You get the sense that this was a good man, yeah, more than a good man, but a kind man, yeah. And so a man was lost. And so, so just to fast forward, um, Roger Delgado. Well, he filmed those scenes in the season eight, rightfully so, perhaps to give people a chance to get to know the master way by absence makes the heart grow fonder maybe who knows the producers of the ninth season only brought him back for two stories the sea devils and the time monster and then by the time i don't know the timeline background but by the time you get to season 10 the um roger delgado is perhaps saying maybe before or after he films the one story of the five of that blog frontier in space he informs the producers that that because he's speaking so featured so frequently um, that he's having, as he said, as Barry Letts describes it in a recent in an interview some years ago, that he was having trouble uh, making mortgage payments, house payments. In other words, probably he was having he was having trouble bringing work to his family because people thought, oh, he's the master, he's a regular on Doctor Who, so he's unavailable. And so he asked to be removed from the, to, to end his involvement with the series. And Barry Letts said that, do you want to be quietly removed, which is sadly what happened, or do you want a grand final story? Yeah. And Roger. Otto said, let's go out in a blaze of glory. And so the, there was a plan made, um, and I believe the uh, author assigned was a man named Robert Sloman, who ultimately wrote John Pertwee's broadcast final story, Plan the Spiders. Mm-hmm. He also wrote The Green Death, if, you have, if you've seen other stories. Yeah. Robert Sloman was assigned um, to write the final, this, 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 this final story, which is called The Final Game. Also, for very minutia, <laughs> Early initial, um, its early title was probably the final test, but eventually it was called, or at least it's been known to be called, the final game. Mm-hmm. And the scripts were Roger Delgado filmed Frontier Space in October of 1972. It was aired in early 1973. Um, Delgado, while they're developing the scripts, um, for the information of your viewers, your listeners, was on, on, and this was actually, I think, only recently discovered, he was um, went to Turkey to film a French um, series called La, La Torche Tibetien, the, the Tibetan claw, um, bell, excuse me, Tibetan bell. Mm. I don't want to sound very high-flying high with knowing French a little bit, but that's what it's called. It's a French production. It was thought that he never filmed it, but recently the footage has been found that there he is, in probably June, probably just sadly, like days before his death, there is footage of Roger Delgado. It's a six-part story, and in episode four, there he is in a, in a, a tavern or something wearing these. He looks like a some type of barbarian, you know. Some yeah. he was a man of Spanish and French descent, and, mm-hmm. and he but he could pass for certain things, certain ethnicities. He looks like some type of barbarian with these skins and 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 a, and, a, and a no 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 headdress, but just he looks tough. Yeah. He's standing there with hands on the hips. Just looks like mm-hmm, watching a brawl. Like yeah. oh, this is something I could beat all of you, but I won't take part. But he has no voice role in that story. Right. Mike he probably would have had a larger role, but he but he was killed in a car accident on the 18th of June in 73 when uh, the chauffeur that was driving him and I believe uh, some uh, at least one other crew member of the film set tried to get to a location too quickly in a, in a treacherous area in the in the mountains of Turkey, and they made a turn. Too, the chauffeur made a turn too quickly, and they flew off the flew off the side of the. Of the mountain, really, and he was killed, and the others were killed too, sadly. So, more than one man died. But to history, we know Roger Delgado. That meant, of course, that the final game had to be scrapped because I cannot imagine the unit era of Doctor Who. Um, everyone likes to say, you hear very good things about any era, mm-hmm. but particularly the era, you, you always hear everyone referring to John Pertwee as like the father of the show. But Barry Letts and Terrence Hicks working very well together behind the scenes. The actors working well together. Um, we have very few of them left now. Um, with the deaths of Nicholas Courtney and Elizabeth Sladen and Carolyn John um, in 2011-12, much of that era was was lost in terms of living memory. And Barry Letts also, just before them, mm-hmm. half of that era is gone. John Pertwee, of course, dying some years ago. But with that last series episode lost, not to ramble anymore, but just bring it to the to, to finish your question. The final game is completely scrapped. Robert Sloman's reassigned to write this story, 
There are some conflicting reports whether or not the final game would have been John Pertwee's last story. Um, it's very, it, it's, it's very possible. It's highly likely. I think that he, he's been, some people said that he said that himself. It would have been his last. Uh, it certainly would have been Roger Delgado's last. I think it's, I personally think they probably would have been Pertwee's last because Katie Manning, before Delgado's death, had already left the series. Elizabeth Sladen had joined. The time Warrior was filmed before Roger, Roger Delgado's death. Six days before, actually, they finished. But um, in any case, whether or not it would have been Pertwee's story or not, he had his final story in Plan the Spiders, um, written by the same author, Robert Sloman, involving, I was about to say, involving themes, I don't know. Terrence Six has said, if anyone wonders what would the final game have been about, Terrence Six has said, uh, either, the, either the scripts were never written, or they, in case anyone's wondering if we get to this, what have I taken from the original story? Yeah. I have not taken the original scripts, I can tell you that, because there are, as far as I know, no original scripts. Um, Terry Six has said that it would have involved um, some type of catastrophe uh, that would have had to unite both the Doctor and the Master to stop it. It would have been revealed, very likely, there would have been some connection deeper than what we knew about the Doctor and the Master. Um, if you watch the old Pertree episodes, they, they pretty much just say, oh, we were at school. You might say that we were at school together. It's, yeah. The terms are said in a way that it's, who knows what it is. So it would have involved some catastrophe, probably would have involved some revelation of who the Doctor and the Master were to each other. Were they brothers? Were they... It's been pushed the idea that they might have been the same person. Who knows what that exactly means? Um, but um, no matter what, the story's lost. Mm-hmm. So that's the back history, at least the final game, and how I came about it. Just no, just So to sum it all up, as a young child watching Doctor Who and noticing as a kid that the Master... He's there all the time, and then he disappears. He comes back, but there's always that wonder, why did the original one disappear for so long? Well, at least an early one disappear for so long. And then doing research and discovering, oh, this is why. The actor's been dead for many years, and he would have had a final story that would have given him a wonderful send-off. And as it is, there's this gap. And I don't mm-hmm. like gaps anywhere, but I don't like gaps yeah. in Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um... That brings us to the project we're going to talk about today, um, which is your project to finally uh, create the, the final game and the, uh, yes. the finale for the Delgado version of the Master. Yes. Um, how that came about it um, was I've always, um, not necessarily always, but I've always thought about it. Mm. A few years ago, um, um, I might as well say this now because I'm, people might recognize my name. Uh, about 10 years ago, I wrote a Doctor Who story called Time's Champion with um, the late Craig Hinton. Uh, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Well, while I was writing that, um, I thought to myself, as I was coming up with ideas for that and writing it, um, I guess I might as well share this as a neat little thing. Um, I've never told anybody this, or at least not too many, is that Craig, I didn't know much about the, the series at the time. So if, there were, if anyone wonders about leaks, don't worry, I wasn't hearing much. But my friend Craig Hinton was aware of some things about the, the Doctor television series when it was first coming back. And, bef- and if anyone knows another sad thing, tragedy, of course, Craig Hinton died of a heart attack on the 3rd of December 2006. Shortly before his death, um, shortly before his death, so the first two ser- series had been aired, I asked Craig, if you can tell me, when will, when will the new series maybe bring back the master? And when, and uh, if, if you know anything about it, if you don't, that's fine. But if you do, and you can't tell me. And all he said was this. One of the last things I ever heard from him, he said, series three, I think. So I might have been one of the few people in America that knew that the master yeah. probably was coming back in series three. And so I knew that in, 2000, in the middle or so of 2000, well, late 2006. So in my mind, as a, as a again, as a young, this is this is some years ago, as a young kid, I was thinking, oh, the master's coming back. And then it connected to me. I look, wouldn't it be nice if someone did something with the final game? Big Finish, of course, were doing their audios. I didn't expect them to do anything because they weren't as as liberal as they are now with with recasting and and telling those types of stories, lost stories, so so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's a little before that era. Anyway, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be neat if I, well, I'm writing the story times champion, maybe on the side if I could do something with the final game. You know, just getting some ideas. No joke, and I'm going to be honest with you, when I came up with that story and started thinking about it, I had read, oh, a catastrophe has to 
what I said for some something unites the doctor and the master, some catastrophe. And I thought, what in the world would bring the doctor and the master together? And what, the one thing that came to my mind was, wouldn't it be neat if the prime minister of England somehow puts out a manhunt against the master, and the prime minister's involved? <laughs> no joke. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know right? <laughs> that, the, that the master, that the prime minister, <laughs> and and put a manhunt against the doctor. But so I wrote a short story in 2007. So it was definitely before series three aired. Mm. Just a short story uh, that told that, that I called the final game. And I'll just briefly outline it that it was um, the master comes and surrenders himself to unit um, at a, their Christmas party. And, and he reveals that the Daleks are after him. Kind of a follow-up to the frontier face behind the Daleks. Uh, and they use the prime minister, and this story is unnamed. I didn't know anything about Jeremy Thorpe, to, oh, we've got to set up some defense shield. And the Daleks are coming, but of course the master turns it in turns against him and turns it into an invasion, an open way for an invasion force. And, and the story goes from there. And of course, in the end, there was, I don't want to give away, I won't say anything more about it, mm-hmm. because that's not in the new version, so I'm not giving spoilers, but just give me back history. So that was about 10, 11 years ago, and I, that was all that happened. But as time has gone on, and I've seen Big Finish do greater things with their, their television stories and telling gap stories. I haven't entertained the idea so much. Oh, I want to give them this story. I want to because I have. Uh, they don't. Some of them might know. So there's wonderful people up there, but you know, I'd have to. Go, I know I'm not naive enough to think. Here, here's a story. Make it. No, mm-hmm. I have to prove yourself. And so I, I put that aside for a long time. But this year, 2018, is a special year because it's the centennial of Roger Delgado's birth. And so on the first of March is his birthday. And so about um, three months ago, four months ago, excuse me. Uh, I was noticing the news. Oh, people were saying, giving kind of information about Roger Delgado, this, of his centennial, and saying this is who he was. His full name is a very long name. Yeah. <laughs> and just his history. And then and it just it clicked with me, and I thought, you know, I would love it if something could happen. Now, you're friends with a man named Scott Claringbold, who um, mm-hmm. does some wonderful work with uh, independent publishing. And I had been recruited um, last year by another... Uh, Wonderful Doctor Who author named Ian McLaughlin, who, who uh, Doctor Who Big Finish fans will know is the creator of the character Aramem, the fifth Doctor companion from the audio of the Eye of the Scorpion. Yeah. Ian and I have become friends, another Scotsman. And um, he just simply said to me, Chris, I know you like the Master. There's this charity anthology called uh, Masterpieces. Would you like to be involved in that? Or at least you get in contact. I said, sure. And so I got in contact through the Facebook page of that. Uh, charity anthology, and they have become good friends with uh, the the uh, originator of that, Scott Claringbold, your friend and mine. And um, I pitched a story, um, just give you full details, called Bandages, which is will be in that anthology, which is the War Chief is the Master story. <laughs> I'm just going to say it, plug it. Uh, but I hope that I did well with that. But anyway, in our conversations, we started talking about just the characters, and um, and Scott was very uh, appreciative of. of of me and I would appreciate him of our work to get, uh, together. And he, through his encouragement, not, not the final game so much, but his encouragement saying you're good, you do well with writing. I hope you can do more. And that combined with Roger Gatto Centennial inspired me to post on Facebook through that anthology. Um, um, just, just a casting call in the sense of, Hey, I, I'm thinking of doing this story. And, and for a while there was nothing. That was back in March, April. There was nothing. And I thought to myself, you know, if I'm going to do this, if I want to get more information out there, I should probably write some scripts. Yeah. <laughs> I should probably actually write the story. I had an outline a couple of years ago. I just thought of pitching maybe a, a, a story, a, a novel version or a no, longer version of the final game um, to a Canadian um, Doctor Who online fan fiction site called The Doctor Who Project, one of the longest lasting um, uh, ongoing fan fiction sites on the, on the internet. It's very wonderful stuff based on the idea of what if the series had not ended in 1989, 1990, and they, they have their own versions of eight doctors onwards. That didn't go anywhere, but, um, um, because I think they had other, um, they were very, very kind people, but, but they didn't have a, a slot for the time. But based on that outline, I just started writing these scripts about, um, probably now about three or so weeks ago, a man named Tony J. Flyer, um, 
involved with the, something called the Missy Adventures, their, their own fan-made audio adventures, uh, started, he picked up my, my post. They said, hey, this guy wants to do something. This sounds very interesting. Is anyone interested? And then it's just exploded. It is just caught on fire. I don't want to make sense like, oh, hundreds of people involved, but it's not like, oh, one. Now I have several dozen people said I want to get, take part because I think it's in the public consciousness now that this is the right time. It's 100 years since Delgado's birth. It's 45 years since his death. Mm. And stories of the master, we're nearly 50 years into the next, officially a couple of years, I think, next year. But in any case, we're about almost 50 years since the master was created. And so I think this is the right time. They call it zeitgeist or whatever, but serendipity maybe that people are aware of who Roger Delgado is. They're aware of who the master is, and they are now aware that there's a missing story that would have ended the master's time. It can no longer do that. I wouldn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So you have to modify it. But there's a story that can link the 1970s version of the master to, any, to everything else and start to explain. what I won't say whether or not it explains why he ends up with the deadly assassin, but it will maybe start to at least point in that direction mm-hmm. but at least there's there's i feel that there's a story to be told in that way there's a story to tell that was never told for good reason but now the series the way that it has reached to fans the way that it can be expressed has matured to the point that i think you can tell that story and that you should and so that's how i how the, this project has got started with okay so how far along the, the process are you at the moment in terms of uh, writing casting that kind of thing We'll start with writing. Um, very far along with the writing. Um, it's an unorthodox number for a poetry story, but it's seven episodes. Okay. When I wrote my when I wrote my script, it just became seven episodes. This is useless information, but when I was writing my outline, I thought to be cute, but also to keep myself at a pace, one page per episode. When I wrote my outline, and then I wrote, and I thought it'll be six parts. As I got towards episode five, or the fifth page let's say the sixth page, excuse me, I realized there was more story to tell that I could not fit in the page. I thought, okay, let's split it off and make seven episodes. And then it worked. So it's a seven-episode story. Six scripts have been written. When this caught fire, when people got attention, I had written five scripts. And I was halfway through the six. The six has been completed since then. So I've written six scripts. They're full-length scripts. So between 30 and 40 pages in a script editing format. So I'm using Trelby. So it's an actual script. With... um, and I tried to write in a way that's an audio, but six scripts. So no, not too many descriptive, ter- not, or like, hey, look at that thing over there. And then, can you see it? Stuff like yeah, that. No, yeah. but <laughs> seven script is, um, there is, there is a, an open file on my computer with the kind of the reprise, a couple lines from episode six with the cliffhanger. So I'm uh, about 85% done. I'm taking my time a little bit with the seven script because I want, I want it to be good because this is the climax. Yeah. In terms of casting, um, okay, well, in terms of casting, I, I don't know how far how to describe that, but there are about a dozen male cast roles, and there are half a dozen male uh, female cast roles. Um, I've got about half of the female cast roles filled, uh, about, and I've got maybe a quarter of the male cast roles uh, filled. Yourself are taking part in one role, so thank you for that. No uh, your, our friend Scott Clarenbowl will be taking part. He'll do, he'll do a wonderful job. Yeah. Um, and we are still casting. So I'd say we're about a third of the way through the casting. Maybe if I'm – there are several people that are auditioning and we're narrowing. So maybe a third of the way locked halfway with people partial, have ideas of where they'll be. And um, so the, the writing is nearly complete. And I have a good, a good editor, Tony J. Flyer, who's editing the stories. Um, so, I, so, so I'm not biased with in that sense. So, but the writing is quite far along. The casting is is moving along fairly well, I think. Um, everyone's busy. This is a fan production involved with people that are amateurs, maybe semi-professionals, or actual actors. Um, but there's a range, and so I, I'm, I'm not I'm not a taskmaster in the sense of, I mean, right now I'm going I've gone back to school. I'm studying with computer science. At school, so I'm busy, mm. and, and everyone's busy. I'm working and going to school. Everyone's working or doing something. But what, what's very touching to me is everyone wants to take the, the people that are coming to me. They want to take part. They want to take part because I think maybe this, as I said, this is the right time, and people realize this is this is a wonderful labor of love. But it's also a story that I think people feel matters. 
because it's a way to honor and remember Roger Delgado, of course, but I think also, I think it's the right time, not to sound, you know, too wistful, but it's the right time also because we've, a lot of the people involved in that era have died. They mm. passed away. And we're grateful the people that are still with us, Katie Manning, Richard Franklin, um, John Levine. But I can only name those three. And as I said, I can only name those three. Yeah. I can't, we still have, we still have Nicholas Courtney. We still have, no, we've lost yeah. Carolyn John. We've lost Nicholas Courtney. We've lost John Perth. We've lost Roger Delgado. Yeah, Barry uh, Letts. Yeah. Letts. And all very, almost all of them very recently. Mm. And so it's a story to tell because I think if it weren't told now, um, especially this year or next, because I don't expect to release it this year. I hope to release it next year. Mm. 45th anniversary of when the final game would have aired in, in the spring of 19, uh, it would have aired in 1974, March, April. I'm hoping for, I'm shooting for a March, April release 2019. But um, I think if, if we were to wait years from now, even a few, um, I don't want to sound again more like, oh, more people will pass away. No, but but uh, but the, the awareness will have passed. It won't be the 100th anniversary of Roger Elgato's birth anymore. And it will be a sense of, oh, that might have been nice, but I'm busy. But now is the time to do it because people say this is the time to do it because it matters. This is a remembrance time for an era of Doctor Who that's passing, a, a, a beloved era that's a, really a, the time that is really thought of as family. Mm-hmm. That's passing into memory, into legend. And it will pass completely very quickly. Uh, had this been done a few years ago, like when I wrote that story version 10 years ago, Nicholas Courtney was alive. Carolyn John was like Elizabeth Slade, and I, I forgot her. She was, she was alive. Yeah. Barry Letts was still alive. Had it been, not, it would have been wonderful. It still might not have been the right time, but it would have been wonderful to, uh, to have them involved. I, I don't, I, 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 that sounds like I'm, I'm being vain, but say somehow the energy had been there. It would have been lovely to have them involved. We can't have them involved anymore. If we were waiting longer, there might not be a, I'm not expecting anyone official to ever get involved in this, mm. but it's just a sense of opportunities passing, and this is the opportune time to do it. And so I'm happy to say that people are involved and enthusiastic, and they're quite, we are, it's going very well, far better than I would have ever expected. Fantastic. And if um, there's anybody that wants to get involved, is there a website they can visit to further information or anything like that? No website, um, and that's the irony because I'm working on some web things right now, but no website. Um, it's, this is, so it's very word of mouth. Okay. I, my suggestion is if anyone know any of your people that know you that mm-hmm. are listening, my best suggestion is this to your viewing audience, to your listening audience, excuse me, if you're hearing the sound of our voices, it sounds more important, but if you're hearing us and if you listen, you have a way to get to this website, to your website, to your podcast. So not to put all responsibility on you, but since you are helping me, thank you, mm-hmm. the more one, to your listening audience, come to Mark McManus's podcast. Contact Mark as much as you can. And contact your friends that might know Mark. Pass that information along to me. They can pass it to me. I will gladly listen, and I promise, because I mean this, I will respond to everyone that wants to take part. We'll find a place for you. Now, there are so a limited number of cast roles. But there are people. But what I mean also mean by a place along the line. No, along the line, and it has already happened in a couple of occurrences. Some people have to withdraw. They are they are too busy, or, or they can't they can't um, they might not have the sounding equipment. Again, to, to be clear, this is becoming a trans a transatlantic endeavor, a transatlantic effort. I'm in I'm in Utah, California. But I'm from LA. We have a person in Indiana. I, I, oh no, excuse me, Texas. We have a couple people in Texas in the Midwest of the United States. Perhaps more will come. We have people in the north of England. We have people in the south of England. Um, we have people on different in different continents right now that are want that are united in their enjoyment of Doctor Who and they want to help Roger Delgado with his memory to do honor his memory. The point is, we're all over. This is not an organized operation. Since if we have a because some, some people have said to me, "Are we going? When do you want to meet for recording?" Yeah. I probably can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't because well, I live in this place. Because I, I live in Oxford. Where do you live? Well, I live in Provo, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> I can, we could do a Skype thing. But the point is, this is a this is a a very if you're if anywhere of you are in computers, I'll use this term. If this is a database, this is not a SQL database. This is a blockchain. <laughs> this is a blockchain. This is de- decentralized. This is but it is not disorganized. It is decentralized and it is focused. So wherever you are, and if you're hearing this, 
come involved and, and, and filter through Mark McManus and, and uh, anyone else that, that you might know. And to come to me. I am on Facebook. I'm responding through Facebook. Um, but you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because I think that uh, people might not know. I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to share my email address because I think that people, because I, I, I trust people, I don't think they will abuse this. It's going to sound funny. <laughs> it is comes the future at yahoo.com. All the C O M E S T H E F U T U R E at yahoo.com. Um, but still, of course, if you missed that, come to Mark McManus if you feel more comfortable doing that. If you don't want to flood my emails, I won't care, but even so. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. I'm on Twitter, at Trap1 underscore. My DMs are open, so anyone can send a message there as well. Um, I say I'll pass anything on to you. Thank you. And, and again, on, in the sense of how decentralized this is, if you have a phone, uh, just set, at least, now I don't want to make it sound like, oh, I want we, anything goes, because I want this to be as best quality as possible. But to start, to have that sound quality, since this is an audio, to start, if you worry about the quality of, the, of your auditions, the sound quality, it's all right. If you have a phone, record on your phone. If you have a good microphone, record on your microphone, whatever it is. At this stage, I will take and listen to whatever you have. And then we go from there. We are resourceful people now. We can find other resources. We can find other improved means to capture the quality of our voice. All the Big Finish audios are at their core when they start. If you think you're Big Finish, is a standard, and they are. They are a wonderful standard. And I'm not trying to take any business away, so I might as well say this right now. Um... And you can, if this is a question that you have later, we should reiterate it. This is non-profit. This is fully fan. There is no profit being made from this. I am disclaiming all copyright. I do not own Doctor Who. But I ascribe to what Peter Capaldi said once when he was announced as the, as the 12th Doctor. All of us made Doctor um, Doctor Who belongs to all of us. All of us made Doctor Who. That moved me up pretty much to tears when he said that because in 2013 because it shows something. It wouldn't exist without us now, and it would, and it won't exist without us in the future. And the, stories like this, I feel, bring people together in not just in Doctor Who, but in things that they want to do to hit a wall. When I wrote Times Champion, there were a lot of walls. It would have been impossible to have given up. I didn't give up. Craig Hinton didn't give up, and I know for a fact that it, that it can, in a small way, in terms of the stress because of his health. That it not necessarily contributed to his death, but it was a stress on him. I won't say, oh, he killed him. No, of course not. I don't want to be melodramatic. But he poured himself out at the end of his life. Mm-hmm. When you hit a wall, you break through it. The walls here are great. Roger Delgado is dead. Nicholas Corny is dead. John Pertwee is dead. How can we do this without them? We can do it because we are honoring their memory. And then no one will do it otherwise. If there are, so these small walls, if, if you feel, I can't, I don't sound good enough, I, I am an American. You can fake a British accent, <laughs> and it won't be fake. It'll be honest, because anyone can sound like anything, yeah. and I will find a place for you. And in terms of voices, we will have limited voices, but we need sound editors. We need um, musicians. We, I definitely would like music on this. I want this to be a full cast audio. We need um, just anyone to make it um, sound good. Like I said, getting back to it, Big Finish is their standard, but at the, when they start an audio, all it is really, this is Nick Briggs who said it, but, or at least his team. Is that it is simply at the start a clean recording of someone's voice, their best performance, and a clean recording, and then the editors and the, and the designers go from there. And all it all is is just you speaking to a microphone, do your best. And so, of course, I'm looking for people that sound like the original actors and such. And maybe you can explain that more, but do your best. But to start, don't be afraid to do your quote what you think is your worst. I will accept it. I will listen to it, and we'll, and we'll hone it from there. Brilliant. Yeah, it's going to be a great project to be involved in. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be faking a southern accent uh, for my part. <laughs> uh, it's going to be, I, I will say this. I will, no spoilers, but assuming that what I write is, is good, I feel that for you, Mark, on a personal I think you will enjoy the character because he's not static. He has wonderful things happen to him, and he does wonderful things. So you're going to enjoy this. Brilliant. Oh, yes. Thank you. Um, so just to, uh, to go back to what, we, uh, what you mentioned right at the beginning about um, watching Doctor Who on PBS when you were a kid, yes. do you remember the first story that you saw? I'm always quite interested in, in the story that kind of first grabbed somebody uh, and made them a fan. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. I might be one of the very few Americans of my age 
that um, ha- can can legitimately say that he grew up while watching Doctor Who that has a legitimate experience of hiding behind the sofa, uh, <laughs> hiding from the Silurians. I, I, I'm not. I cannot say for certain that that, that the Silurians mm-hmm. was the first story that I remember because for whatever reason, PBS when it was broadcasting those stories, the block that they had was not Spearhead from Space to survive. It was the Silurians uh-huh. to survival. I suspect, and I don't know, but I suspect uh, the Spearhead from Space for a long time had some rights issues. I think that in the original broadcast, they, they, they there was a Fleetwood Mac song playing, um, "Don't Stop" or something like that, mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. Um, but uh, there's uh, I think there were some rights issues, so there was a while they couldn't broadcast that. So I didn't see Spirit in Space. I've seen it since, but at that time. But but I think probably one of the earliest is the Silurians. I remember being in my grandparents' house, um, staying the night and watching the scene where they, I think the Doctor and Liz first see the Silurians from behind in their in their cave. Yeah. <laughs> so <I> was <laughs> they terrified me? I hid behind the sofa. But it struck with me too, just to say because. For whatever reason, maybe this is the brilliance of Doctor Who and the way they told that story. Even though the silence were scary and frightening and terrifying, I understood where they were coming from. And when the Silurian base was blown up, and I was well, this is the main thing. I wasn't angry with the Brigadier because I knew why he had to do it. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I, and I sided with the Doctor enough because I knew why he was mad. The point is, when I saw that last Silurian, when the cave is coming down, it, caving in, and, and there's the cave in, and the last Silurian is being killed, I understood it. And it stuck with me, and it's stuck with me since, that an argument is, and, a, and, a, and an issue is not cl- cut and dried always. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is, but often it's not. And it stuck with me, and that affected me for a long, for weeks afterwards. It's and it's still, a, I still remember it. It's such a unique so, ending to a Doctor Who story, isn't it? You, very rarely do they go near that again, but you said it's such um, an ambiguous ending about who's in the right, who's in the wrong, and so downbeat. Yeah, it's such a shame they didn't really carry carry it on um, in the Doctor and Brigadier's relationship properly from that point because it's uh, oh, it's such a killer ending. It is. I mean, there's a line in Ambassador of Death where he just says, "Now, oh, he needs something to occupy himself." The Doctor says, "Now that he's annihilated the Silurians, it's like okay." Yeah. And so you remember that, but that's all he said. They're pretty much chummy afterwards, they're friends. But I will say one other story that wasn't the first, but I would say that really connected me because I talk about going back to John Pertwee, and I have to mention Patrick Trout. Um, the Three Doctors, of course, I'd probably seen a little bit of maybe some of the Trout episodes, maybe. I would say, if we're talking about the first Trout episode, I know I saw with Tomb of the Cybermen. Mm. Uh, but I knew about Patrick Trout before, not the Five Doctors. Somehow, I missed that. I missed Five Doctors and Two Doctors. This is an aside, but yeah. five, when I, I was at my local like media store and I saw the Five Doctors years ago, I thought, what in the world is this? <laughs> oh, there's a story with five doctors. <laughs> this is beautiful. Uh, so, and then as an aside also, the two doctors, I missed that because I saw a catalog of Doctor Who stories available. And for some reason, the two doctors listed as having copyright date in 1965. And I didn't realize in 1965, this is long, so long enough ago, I didn't realize there's only one doctor then. But it said 1965. It must have been a typo because it's 1985. Mm. So in my mind's eye, I'm picturing William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton running around. When I finally got the story and saw the cover, I see Patrick Troughton and Colin Baker. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> the, three, but the three doctors. John Pertree's there. Um, I don't look like you. This is not video broadcast, so you won't see it. But I, I'm, um, I'm tall like John Pertree. I'm thin like John Pertree, but I have dark hair. And I have the shock of dark hair, but not like John Pertree. When I was very young, I had more of a, a bowl cut. Not exactly, but I had bangs. Mm. Uh, I still could now, but I had them down. I didn't part my hair or anything. First time I ever saw that I clearly remember seeing Patrick Trout, and that was where it really connected to me. Because I thought, oh, he looks just like me. And I was a little boy, and it really, it, that was really very touching. And the way he acted, of course. So that was that. I will mention that one as, as a connection. And if I have to mention anything else, it's, well, I can mention others. The really connection would be Plan the spider's going to robot. The first time that I, I knew that there were multiple doctors, but I didn't understand what it was that was making them multiple. Plan the spiders explained that very well. Yeah. And but I would also say on that note, it would be also Logopolis, just because that one, the way that they really explained it well, mm-hmm. they realized this is death and rebirth. 
something wonderful. So yeah, those are those are some of the stories that very much affected me. Yes. Yeah. Watching Planet of the Spiders again um, recently, it occurs to me at, at the time. I wonder if because uh, I was um, was too young to have seen it when it went, when it went out. Whether I would have thought that um, Campo would have become a, a regular character at that point, because it is strange to bring in this this significant figure from the Doctor's childhood and to establish that he's living not only on the same planet but fairly near where the Doctor's been based and unit, uh, only to have him disappear again forever. It's uh, it, it seems like an odd thing. I wonder at the time if viewers thought, oh, he's going to be a new maybe regular character, something of a yeah. mentor for the new Doctor or a friend he could call on now and again. I think I didn't when I first watched Planet of Spiders. I didn't necessarily think that's very, very cool. I didn't necessarily think of that. What I thought to myself at the time was, and I thinking about that now, that actually makes wonderful sense. What I certainly thought at the time was, I'm surprised they're showing another person regenerate mm. before the Doctor, at least in the story. They're giving him almost primacy in certain ways. Terry Sticks has said that you know he might not necessarily objected, but may not agree completely with the characterization of Pertwee in that last story. And I, to be honest, I agree with him, with Terrence Dix. Uh, I feel the Doctor has no flaws. Mm. And so when I see stories, as wonderful as they are, that show maybe a flaw, you're, and, then, and I'll throw this out there too, people know Time's Champion, I'll use one word, the Valayard. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That was an earth, when I found out about the, what the Valayard was, that was an earth-shattering thing for me. So I was compelled to try to explain it. On a side note, I will say this. For anyone that remembers that story, I don't know how and when this will ever happen, but I am in the process of rewriting that to update right. in a way. And uh, if you want to talk about that, we can. But I am in the process of rewriting Time's Champion. Sum up why, just as an aside, I'll get back to Planet Spiders, why, even when I wrote Time's Champion, I felt that it was, it was wonderful, but the story itself was harkening back to an era of Doctor Who that in a way was now out of date, the 1990s. The Time Lord gods and things like that. The whole idea of the Time Lords were, if there's a scale, humans to, let's say, the Guardians or something. The Time Lords are somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. I never liked that. Why? Because Guardians, as neat as they are in Doctor Who, are out of no, almost come out of nowhere. What are they? I'm going to say it right here, so people ever want to know. I personally think they're all Time Lords. Early Time Lords from Rassilon's era, his original High Council. That will go in the book, so you heard it here first. Okay. <laughs> But the whole idea is just bringing all the cosmology into one thing. But I will, but that will tie that back cosmology, tying in things back to Planet Spiders. But, but again, time shifting, updating it too, because when I was writing it, the series was coming back, and I was comparing that to what the, the book series in the 90s, all wonderful, all valid, but not quite matching in tone. And I felt like I was writing for a tone that I wanted to honor, but wasn't quite perhaps, not, not, not irrelevant, but not quite. Um, current anymore in Doctor Who. It felt more like this is Time Lord, this is the Doctor Time Lord, everything else, all these other things you'll never see again. So there will be an update. We'll see when that happens. It's been a little time ago. But anyway, cosmology merging Doctor Who. You give primacy to the doc- to Campo in, in Planet Spiders. And since that's the replacement, it's good to talk about it, the replacement with the final game. It almost feels, I will say this, First, on your point of why they never run back, I, I wish they had. There were a lot of wonderful things in Doctor Who. It's almost like Doctor Who self-sabotages the 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 the, the, the continuity. It's not its own continuity. It's the holistic continuity of the everything they could do. Because they might throw out these wonderful ideas and they disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that if you look at the back history of a lot of stories, even as late as the Colin Baker era, when they brought in the character of Asmael in The Twin Dilemma, the, I think the original intention was someone who was writing it had watched The Time Monster. I said, oh, the Doctor had a mentor. Let's bring him along. And they'll be writing it. And then someone said, I don't know, maybe it was Ian Levine or one of the people involved said, wait a minute, we already have that character. And so if you notice, the whole idea of the Doctor having a tutor mm. gets kind of split between Barusa Campo, who, it, and just, just if anyone in case wonders, is, um, well, let's just say it's Barusa, Campo, and uh, Asmail. And the Campo, if anyone wonders whatever happened to Campo, for your listeners out there, it's very likely, although it's not certain, it's very likely, um, if you want to know what follow-up, he's probably the character Moldwitch from, I think it's the, no, the New Avengers novel Birthright, I think. I could be wrong with that, but certainly Happy Endings. Someone thought he might be a future Doctor from Battlefield. He's also possibly Campo Rinpoche. I would say at this point it's a little easier to call him Campo Rinpoche because of yeah. the fact we're so long. But yeah. 
But merging cosmologies is interesting. You have a chance to, the way I see it, it's possible if the final game was dealing with Buddhist theories of, of rebirth and the ego, not the ego and the id, but, but facets of the mind. Certainly, I think some elements of that translate to the clan of spiders. Maybe in some small way, Robert Solomon was channeling that in the, in the, in the context of the character relationship between the Doctor and, and Campbell Rinpoche. Not in the same way as the Doctor and the Master would have been. But, but there's, a, there's a minus to that, which is what I, I cut myself off, is that I never like it when you have stories that kind of give, not so much the Doctor flaws, maybe conflict and things, but a fundamental flaw. Because as Terrence Dix himself said in an interview, I don't want to put words in his mouth, he did this in a, in a video interview. Yeah. John Pertwee wasn't a greedy man. The third Doctor is not a greedy man. So to say that, and the Doctor isn't greedy, he wants knowledge. But greed is something dark, and it's like this lust, putting, harming other people. He gets the blue crystal from Metabolus 3, which may or may not be involved in the final game, I'll just say that. He gets the blue crystal without putting anyone else in danger. He goes on his own. I don't see that as greed. I see that as a quest for knowledge and of an honest curiosity. The Master said, curiosity is the Doctor's weakness. He didn't say greed. Mm-hmm. He never said greed is the Doctor's weakness. And I'm going to take that as an honest thing. Maybe curiosity is. Vanity is the Master's weakness. I still use that, but... The point is, I don't think the master, the doctor is greedy. So it's interesting. So it's, uh, it's not a critique. It's just I just play it off as saying that that's what Campbell Rinpoche thinks, that he's greedy. But the doctor is not. And the doctor is being very polite when he says he's saying it's my greed, Sergio. I'm not going to pretend yeah. to do Pertwee's voice. Yeah. <laughs> but um, maybe it shows to a certain extent that that type of contrast between characters, being almost the same person, maybe really would have worked best as a do- the doctor and the master. Because you, if you have a hero like the Doctor that I think is ir, ir, um, incorruptible, you need a villain like the Master, then in my opinion is irredeemable. That's why, to be very honest, I'm not sure what I thought about what happened with Missy, but <laughs> yeah. that's, why I love, they brought, that's why I'm glad they brought back John Sim. <laughs> yeah, that was a good counterbalance, wasn't it? Uh, it was yeah. wonderful. I was watching, uh, and this is probably something uh, good to point people towards if they haven't seen it as well. There's a documentary on the Planet of the Spiders DVD called The Final Curtain. Um, mm-hmm. which uh, covers the, the final game and some of the plans that they had. Uh, yes. was quite nice. It's an old interview with John Pertwee on there where he says that Roger Delgado always thought that the master was the doctor's brother. Um, he said, because uh, they said they were talking about how, how come they never actually finish, finish each other off or kill each other. And apparently Roger Delgado had said to John Pertwee, well, of course not, we're brothers. Um, and that was his uh, kind of just you know justification or his thinking in playing the character was that it was this sibling rivalry and uh, that they could never really kill each other. So that was quite a nice little thing. I think so too. I mean, it's lesser known, but William Hartnell. Some I, I, you can't necessarily credit him with creating the master. Of course, no, I, I'm not saying this when I'm about to say this, but it's lesser known in the minutia of back history doctor that William Hartnell had an idea for featuring a story, maybe even a series, but a story at the least, with the Doctor's son, and yeah. that he was a villain. And William Some Hartnell wanted have... to play him too, didn't he? Uh, the son of yes. Doctor Who, he wanted to play both parts, yeah. He would have played both parts, himself yeah. as a father and as a son. But, you know, to certainly, you know, it gets into almost Christian ideas here, certainly. But, um, you know, a father and a son being images of one another, mm. and the perpetuation. But the contrast, you can't. When they're in harmony, it's wonderful. When they're in contrast, it's tragedy. And so the idea of maybe Hartnell playing himself and as Doctor and Son was, was a very interesting, let's just say proto-master idea, but when you come to the Doctor and the Master, certainly what is, you can say, you know, not including the word, well, I will always include the word chief, but you, yeah. that is a part of, <laughs> even though I think Trouton and Brayshaw, I will say this, I'll always plug it, the way they interact. You yeah. can never convince me that, that Brayshaw is not the Master, the way that they interact. Um, no, watch the word. And, and I think most people that are watching, a whole new generation of Doctor Fans are, are coming up saying, hey, that's the master. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's wonderful. But certainly Pertwee and Delgado, I think, probably thought they were brothers. John Nathan Turner, we know from Plan of, Plan of Fire that there was a line written. And the line was probably, I don't know if it was written, but it was certainly put into the script, involved in it. And the, and the director of that story asked, when Anthony Ainley's version is being burnt alive. The intention mm-hmm. at the time, I think, that that was the death of the master. Yeah. And it was never filmed what he's, how can you, I can't remember the line exactly, he says, how can you do this to your own? And then he, I think, according to the director, I think Fiona Walker, she asked John Nathan Turner, what was he about to say? And he would have said, brothers. Mm-hmm. So that the, and even in the tenant era, although 
Because everyone these days feels that the brother of the Doctor is Irving, the character Irving Braxiatel. And I think that's fine, but I'm going to be being honest, if they were to say it, I would, if they were to establish the Doctor, if they were to never say anything about family relationships, I would reserve the Doctor and Master as brothers. If they were to establish the Doctor and Irving and Braxiatel as brothers, then I would definitely say, okay, wonderful, but reserve an even closer relationship to the Doctor and the Master. Mm. Right now I would say, if they're brothers, that's wonderful. If you establish another brother, now you can have more than one brother, but I, I think that in Doctor Who things, things are simple. There's one to one. Yeah. If you were to establish a brother relationship, a fraternal relationship, you would have to then, in my opinion, elevate the Doctor Master relationship to something else, paternal at least. Or the really, have, you have three really possibilities: are they brothers? Are they father and son? Are they the same person? If if there were no the death of Roger Delgado did a very interesting thing, which is that it made the Master, in my opinion, immortal. Had Delgado, had the final game been done as it originally was, I think it's very likely, although I have a nice friend, a Canadian friend named Brett Gavitt. So if you ever hear this, Brett, I'm shouting out to you. You're one of my best friends. I love you. Um, the, I'm actually the internet. I've never met him personally, but I've known him for years. <laughs> I think he's wonderful. He's always had an interesting theory that even if the final game had aired, that Philip Hinchcliffe and Robert Holmes would have still brought the master back. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Roger Delgado, maybe not. But they still would have brought him back. By virtue of the fact that they did. They didn't have to, and yet they did. But no matter what, it is a historical fact that Roger Delgado died. His death, um, we'll look at even the, the novelization, of, it's called the Doctrine of Space, or the novelization, target novelization, target novelization of the Frontier in Space story. Mm-hmm. It's written with hindsight. It's written and released in 19... I don't know when it was written, but it was copyrighted in 1976. So I don't know whether or not Terrence Sticks wrote that knowing about the, the Deadly Assassin. Likely he did. But... Or just maybe aware. Or fans would have had both mm-hmm. available at that time. As much as possible. But if you read the final, the Space War novelization, it gives a closure in a weird way of the Doctor-Master relationship, which is simply not the Master... Ex, you know, actually, well, well, trying, but shooting the Doctor in the head and the Doctor's unconscious. It's more like the Doctor has the gun. Same setup. Ogrons go crazy. Mm-hmm. Master lo- is, loses his gun. The Doctor picks it up. Just holds him at bay while he sends Joe and the Taurus and just says, I should take you back. The Master says, are going to kill me? He says, no. I should take you back to Earth to serve out your sentence. But I've got to deal with Daleks. And then the Master says, perhaps we'll meet again. Perhaps we shall. And then the Master's final words for Delgado are, as he's rolling up his uh, scrolls and star charts, says, well, there's always tomorrow. So yeah. the point is, there's given closure, but so in the rich of hindsight. But when it comes to the master, had the final game been done then, that would have, no matter what, by definition, would have been the end of the master. The intention was to kill him off. And so I agree with my friend Brett Gabbard that it's likely that the producers would have at least considered to bring him back. I think they probably would have, but they might not. Mm-hmm. Might not have. They may have said. There might be several doctors because, of course, at that point there were three and then eventually four, but only one. Whether or not you like include Brace or not, there's only one Roger Delgado. Delgado's death has, has done the Master and Doctor great service in one way, and his legacy has been able to immortalize the Master because you get Peter Pratt in 1976, Jeff Beavers briefly in 1980, and, um, and then Anthony Ainley. I can't find any more on YouTube, but you've watched. There's a 1981 very poor quality video of a convention, which likely was probably Anthony Ailey's first uh, physical appearance, public appearance in Doctor Who convention circuits. And the reception of Ailey is overwhelming because, of course, and, I, and he might not, it's 1981. I'm not even sure if the episodes had aired. They probably had, but they're certainly within only a few months. Mm-hmm. They're, they love him and they love his performance, but I am sure that there were many fans at that time in 1980, 1981, that were cheering because the master was back, because yeah. in a way they had Roger Delgado back. It's not Roger Delgado. The point is, but it's still the master. Roger mm. Delgado's death, it has immortalized the master. Maybe the master one day will finally be killed off. Maybe now, I doubt it. But, and I hope this never happens when all things end. So one day, Doctor probably, at least in its current form, will end one day, and hopefully we revive it. So things end. Mm. And I hope that if it, if it, if it ends, that this time, because we have 13 Doctors now, whatever you yeah. think about, whatever 
has happened in more recent series, there's still a 13 Doctors. Most people still think of 13 Doctors, I personally feel. I hope the series never ends. But if it does, I would end it now. In the next, I would give Jodie Whittaker a time, then I would end it now. And I would give the Master a good ending. Mm-hmm. But, tying it all back to the final game. In its current form now, I have to fit it into continuity. And if, if the final, let's just say this, the final game, it had, if the Master had not been immortalized, but I still, all things being equal, nothing else to the Master, but I say I'm, I'm as enthusiastic as I am, personally, and, other, and you all are, about Doctor Who, and I find out there would have been one more story with the Master, I would be very, even probably more interested to make that done. Because the Master would have ended, all things equal, Delgado dies on the 18th of June, 1973. And then, in a way, the Master would have been probably more of a really wonderful villain that's more of a footnote. Mm-hmm. But a wonderful footnote. Watch the Time Monster. Watch it all got his performance in episode 5 of the Time Monster. Anywhere else. Something, it's ironic because people might consider that, amongst fans, the more the jokiest or the hokiest yeah. master. Delgado's performance in Time Monster episode 5, I feel, is... is we'll use this word because I'm American. BAFTA-worthy. Absolutely BAFTA-worthy. I, I will never pretend that it is not. Because... What's her name? Queen, Queen Hippolyta, I think her name is. Oh, I can't remember her name. Actually, no. That, that's that's Wonder Woman's mother. <laughs> Sorry. The point is the Queen of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And I should know her name. I forgot it. But the point is. Is it Thalira or uh, something the, like that? Thalira. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. We can look it up. I'll look it up. So I have a phone with me. <laughs> it's but, in Ingrid Pitt's character, isn't it? Yes, wonderful character. But when he's when he's interacting with her. He really is like Iago of, of Othello. Yeah. He's, ma- he's masterful. Mm. But I would have still been, he was wonderful in that episode, but I would have wanted still to get the final, maybe introduce him for the final game, but had it been done without anything else with the master, I would re- I would reveal everything. I would reveal that they're brothers or father and son or one and the same. I would kill off the character. I would finish it. Here as it is now, I want this to, I want this to be like as if it were, it's not a big finished story, but I would want it to be hopefully that quality or something like it, but as if it could fit into continuity. Because mm. in my mind, it, it does. Just as Time's Champion does, or anyone's good fan fiction does. Mm. Um, so it, it has some limitations in terms of that. And I don't want to give any spoilers, but um, I will say that's one of the things that's maybe hold, not so much holding up, but keeping Episode 7 in a little bit of abeyance, because I'm not quite sure... I will decide. It's not like I have no idea what I'm going to do. No, I'm just not quite sure what the balance is at this point. How to be true to the original and yet true to continuity. Because in continuity, no one's saying that often the Master Brothers, no one's saying they're father and son, no one's saying they're the same person. They're just saying, how could you... And I'm not, I don't want to change that, but I am a little unsure of what's the line I'm going to draw in terms of holding true to the original intention or not. Yeah. And, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> It is. It is. I mean, it's a. I face it in a way the same dilemma with Times Champion because, at the time, and this is this was easier. At the time, some years ago, there was still the idea that Colin Baker's Doctor was a, a failed Doctor, not the actor, but a failed Doctor, need of rehabilitation, um, um, uh, restoration, mm-hmm. restoration. Perhaps I have never believed that his Doctor needed rehabilitation. I've always considered his Doctor to be excellent. Yeah. And the whole idea that the seventh doctor killed the sixth, he was failed, a weak link, whatever, that was easy. I thought maybe that was the original tension of the 90s novels, or at least that was a hint. Mm-hmm. No offense against any of the authors. It was an idea. It was never outright stated, and it was often metaphor. And very well done. But I think that was only metaphor. People started to take it as readers. This is what the sixth doctor is. I made it clear. I want to keep an original intention, but I don't want the seventh doctor killing off the sixth. But that was easy. Here, it's not as easy, because both ways are pretty equally valid. Original intention or removal for the sake of later continuity. It's a little tough. Not sure what to do there. <laughs> cool. It's worth well, it. I absolutely can't wait to, um, to read the scripts and, and hear the finished story. Thank you. So, thank you very much for joining me today, Chris. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Really excited for this project, um, and I can't wait for people to hear it. Thank you so much, Marcus. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and meeting you. Uh, at, uh, and you're, you're very kind, and I hope that uh, your listening audience continues to listen to you and to grow for a long time. Thank you very much. I will put links in the show notes to all the contact details. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for listening at home. Uh, please join me next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.